Good morning, good morning, good morning. Welcome to it. It is the Konza Show. We just hit five minutes after nine. Uh, my name is Jack Motlante, and I'll be standing in for Andrew Levy this morning. Um, I, I, I'm sure he's very tired wherever he was, uh, wherever he is rather. Uh, we were out in uh, uh, Jippy's town last night uh, for the Umuzi Photo Club Kinamang, uh, Who Am I uh, exhibition. It was, it was really breathtaking. It was a, uh, and a very interesting experience. I haven't quite been to an exhibition quite like that one. But um, Andrew won't be here for today. Unfortunately, he will be back next week, Friday, between 9 and 10. As I said, my name is Jack Matlante at Jack underscore 5 foot 4 at Cliff Central com if you want to join the conversation as far as Twitter is concerned. Thank you very much to Gareth and the team holding it down all the way in Cape Town. I hope the weather's fantastic, but, uh, you know, uh, I wish I was with them. But uh, thank you very much for, to them for holding it down. Fantastic show, as usual. And uh, this morning, we've got a very interesting person, to say the least. I mean, her life is one of those that don't really, you know, uh, uh, how can I put this? This it, it doesn't really happen to a lot of people, uh, uh, the situations that uh, she was put in, considering the fact that she was arrested for 16 years in a Thailand prison. Uh, Cliff Central and everyone would like to welcome Vanessa Horsen. How are you this morning? Uh, good morning, Jake. Thank you for having me on the show. Oh, it's a pleasure. Thank you so much for coming through. Um, so let's let's start in the beginning. Right, so you were 21, and you were finalist for Miss SAT. Semi-final. Semi-finalist, yes. sorry. Uh, and uh, you went to Thailand to, st- you were starting a, a, a shop, actually, uh, a clothing. Uh, I already had a shop. You already had a shop, yes, yes, yes. 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 And uh, you were going there to, I guess, check out the latest fashions and yes, stock yes. up for the show. Yes. And... How, what exactly happened? How did the events, ha- you know, the step by step? You were there to get clothes and then what? Um, how it actually all started was that, uh, the clothing store I had with my then boyfriend in Colton Center. Yeah. Uh, there he had this friend that, um, would seldom come to the store, but, you know, the time that I would see him, that he was a guy that dressed very nice. And as we had a men's clothing store here, it, that his clothing really interested me. Mm. And I actually were asking him, like, where does he get his clothing from? And he was telling me, especially the material <coughs> which he would get from Thailand in Bangkok. And actually really started encouraging us to really explore the fashion industry in Thailand as the clothing and material is not expensive mm. and it also will be really uplifting um, the business as it will be completely different, um, the, the, the material as the clothing as we were uh, going to design. And so me and my boyfriend, we started um, discussing it and talking about it and then decided that I will go to Thailand and explore the fashion industry. industry. And that is how... I happened to go abroad. And and when I got to Thailand, that was in April in 1994, what um, Jackson, that was my friend, boyfriend's friend, what he actually said was true because when I came there, the clothing was not expensive mm-hmm. and they had actually very beautiful material which was also not expensive. And that kind of really excited me and I was very happy uh, to be able to make contact uh, to import material back to South Africa. And that is how I got to Thailand. And uh, being there, um, Jackson contacted me and asked me if I could just bring some engineering books from his brother in Thailand because he's studying engineering. So everything checked out at this point in time, considering what he was speaking about in, in terms of the materials yes, and, yes. and everything was okay yeah. up until that point. Yeah. yeah. So um, then when he asked me to just bring books for him, engineering books as he's studying engineering from his brother in Thailand, and I told him, no, it's fine. Tell your brother to bring the books to me. And his brother came. He brought the books. It was four a4 hardcover engineering books and I actually paged through one it was a normal book but it didn't interest me I just put it right back in the bag and I continued with my shopping spree mm. but actually the, my journey started when I got to the airport they had a random check went through my luggage and I also bought fashion designer magazines it was with these magazines and when the guy went through the magazines um, 
he got to these engineering books and he did something that was very weird. He took out a small pocket knife and put it in the spine of one of the books. Was this common practice or was it just most probably bad luck on your side? I mean, for me... Um, I wasn't used to it. They obviously knew what they were looking for because yeah. they've been, uh, afterwards I found out that they have arrested quite a few people that the drugs has been hidden in quite a few different places. Yeah. Uh, so they actually knew what they were looking for. But for me, that was actually very weird. Why would he take a small pocket knife and put it in the spine of the book? But when yeah. he did that and powder came out, that is when my, when my journey started. Which is, I, I can't even imagine what you were thinking once you saw that powder. I, you couldn't... There was no explanation that you could possibly give for it. And the, the, the one thing that alarmed me, why would somebody want to hide powder in the book? True. Very true. Um, so at which point was it noted that, that powder was an illegal substance? Um, when we got to the small little room that they took me in, and they actually removed the paper from the covers, and when they did that, there was four compartments laid out in the, in, 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 in the covers, in the front and in the back cover of all four of these books, and also in the spine of the book. Mm. Uh, there was powder laid out in a, a, a plastic. Okay. And when they put it on the scale, it went through my heart was cocaine, because on television and news, uh, people got arrested. I heard about cocaine, mm. and and my heart started beating so fast. I was so afraid and so scared. But this guy took a, 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 some of the powder and he put it in a tester, and when he did that, the tester turned purple. And when he told me heroin, I've never heard of heroin. I did not know what heroin was, and for me, it was it's not cocaine. Yeah. So that was a good thing for me, but because there was a language barrier, it's kind of very difficult. And the guy actually had to take me over uh, to a poster where the poster was written in English, and it said heroin death sentence. That is when I realized that now I'm in big, big trouble. That is just really unbelievable. So there you are. And at this point in time, you were pregnant. Yes, I was. And to my understanding, they d you had no interpreters whatsoever. And uh, how, how did it actually happen within the court system there? How, did you have a lawyer? Did you have someone with you to at least explain your side of the story, maybe in uh, the, the, the native language? Um, what happened was that they've asked me um, that, that I must write. And I've written in English what has happened. I don't know what has happened to that statement uh, because when they brought um, a statement, that, to me it's a statement that was written in Thai, which I did not understand, and they asked me to sign it. Uh, when I was in court, um, I had no interpreter. There was nobody to interpret to me. I did not understand anything that was happening in court. They only brought this paper and asked me to sign, gave me a pen and showed me where I must sign. And I said, no, 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 I can't because I don't understand. Yeah, true. And so your court case, Yes. how, how long did that last? Two was years. Two years? Yes. So you were detained for two years while awaiting trial? Yes. That, that, that is absolutely shocking. So here you are uh, awaiting trial in prison. What were the conditions like? Um, the conditions was like, for me, it was shocking as we had to sleep on the floor. Mm. And that was an 18-inch space that we actually slept like body to body and with our legs entwined as the prison was overcrowded. Uh, what also shocked me was that we had to buy everything. I mean, you had to purchase your uniform, mm -hmm. your pajamas, your bedding, um, your medication. Where did they think the money came from? That's, that's um, That really, that was actually your situation. That was something you had yeah, to sort out You had out to yourself. sort out yeah. yourself. Uh, because they did give uh, food like three times a day. Mm -hmm. And it was like brown rice where you actually stand in line and see the birds sitting on the rice. It was red rice. And also with the different soups. The food was actually very bad when I came there. Mm. But as the directors changed, the food improved. Oh, okay. That close to when I was coming home, that they actually gave us white rice. And the food actually did improve from where it was. Uh, but they were selling food in the prison for you to buy if you want better food that was made by the prisoners. So you had to buy your own food, your uniform, pajamas, um, and also the water, hot water, tea, coffee, toiletries uh, that you had to buy yourself. Mm. So for me, that was quite shocking. Like uh, with those who don't have, obviously they have to steal to survive. Sure. 
And they had to have like a black market thing or try to wash clothing for people, you know, to, to make some money to able to survive in this situation. Mm. So that uh, was actually a money-making machine. It was. Yeah. Yeah. So um, when you were finally detained, as uh, finally, well, convicted rather, yes. um, which prison were you sent to? Um, no, the prison they took me, the Laudial Maximum yeah. um, uh, Woman Correctional Institution, uh, where they took me to the first time, that's where I, I stayed when they sentenced, when I was sentenced. Now, uh, considering you were pregnant at the time, were there other inmates that were in a, a similar situation to you or? That was pregnant? Yes. Yeah. Uh, there was, yeah, there was people that was pregnant. There's a lot of ties as well um, that was pregnant. Now, how did they handle the birth of your child? I mean, that is one of the most difficult things to experience in life generally. And here you are in a foreign prison and you, you are expecting a baby. How, how did they assist you or were they, was there any assistance as far as giving birth? Um, for the pregnant ladies, they would give us a multivitamin every day okay. that we got. Um, but concerning like completely proper treatment, I mean, as they also... Um, you had to pay for everything, so we didn't get that proper treatment that as a pregnant woman is supposed to uh, receive. Uh, but they did give us a, a, a boiled egg every day. Okay. Uh, it's protein. And um, an orange mm -hmm. that we will get every day that was also like given uh, to the prison for the prisoners. Um, but for me, as it was my first child, so being young, I was very scared. I was very afraid as I had no family members there or, or any, any family that could guide me True. or assist me or help me. Um, but when I started having, um, pains, I didn't know that I was having labor pains, not knowing that I'm going into a labor that I'm going to give birth, but uh, one lady who was an American who also gave birth in prison, when I started to panic and started to cry and started getting afraid that she actually came to me and told me that, um, Vanessa, I know you're scared. I know you're afraid. I know it's your first child, but this is prison. Mm. You need to be strong. You need to get yourself together. You need to help yourself not to complicate things for yourself. And what I will tell you or advise you right now, I'm asking you to pay attention. She said, when they take you out to the outside hospital, I want you to focus on something, anything, a person, a color, a hole in the wall. Focus on something and try to control your breathing. Try to remain calm. You're doing this for yourself and for your child. Mm -hmm. And that's the only advice I took, and that's what I left with. So... Technically speaking, she was the one person that could actually, that assisted you in, in making sure that you at least were on some level comfortable uh, enough to, to, to go through with the procedure. Yeah, she actually gave me what was needed straight to the point to be, to be able to survive the situation because she has gone through it already mm. and I did not know her. Oh, wow. That is that is quite an experience. 18 minutes after 9 o'clock, uh, if you just joined us, my name is Jack Mutlanta. I'm sitting with Vanessa Huesen, uh, who was uh, arrested uh, in Thailand, and uh, she spent 16 years uh, behind bars in a, a Thai prison. And uh, if you want to join the conversation, all you have to do is give us a call on 0861-555-189. That's 0861-555-189 on Twitter at cliffcentral.com or at Jack underscore five foot four. Uh, you can also send through your messages on our WeChat official account uh, on Cliff Central, like our page on Facebook, Cliff Central, and uh, that uh, you can actually join the conversation. Uh, Vanessa, so here we are. Um, you've got a newborn baby. Uh, thank God that uh, she, she actually made it here. Um, what was running through your mind at the time? Here you are behind bars. Uh, you've... This was before you had been convicted and you were basically alone overseas in a foreign country. What was going through your mind at that point in time? Um, what was going through my mind, I didn't know how I'm going to survive with a child as I didn't. It was my first child. I didn't know how I'll be able to take care of her as you have to buy everything in prison, even the baby food, the baby mold, the baby clothes. Uh, and I really did not have anything. Mm. And I was really concerned, like, how, how are we going to survive? How are we going to survive? And I had like inmates who had visits that 
they would ask them to buy me baby milk and baby cereal and baby clothing. And I had some people that afterwards had read about me that was Aostis that uh, would come to the prison and, and would give me some baby clothes. Um, so that was a great concern for me, especially that they didn't have the necessary, like, um, uh, for, for a child, like even the diapers and, I mean, medication and, I mean, even the, the environment, yeah. you know, wasn't for a child. Um, it was quite a concern for me. The only, yeah, that, the biggest concern that was hanging over my head is like, how are we going to survive? I, I couldn't, with your very first child, and you're a first time mother, and you are in this situation, I, I can't even, uh, anyway, moving swiftly along. Um, so now, as far as the way they had you set up in the prison, were yes. you, uh, in, in a communal cell, or was it, you were you put separately with, with considering you were a foreign national? And uh, no, uh, the prison was very overcrowded, and there was no uh, separation because you were foreign on that. No, uh, when I was in the mother's room, mm-hmm. we were like plus minus forty mothers with children and a few pregnant ladies in one room. Forty. That's what a plus minus forty square yeah. meter room. Yeah. And um, when my daughter left. Uh, they moved me to a bigger room, which was um, plus minus uh, 250 to 300 ladies um, in this room and very overcrowded. So even if you um, you don't know what sickness anybody has because we all mix, we're all sleeping together. There is no separation of anything. It's just according to your sentence and that's it. You, you were just put into the yes. same cell. Yeah, that's it. That, so now... With, with, with the living conditions, how, how, how did you feel, you know, looking at your child with, within the whole situation? And, uh, how, how was, was there any assistance from anyone back home, uh, your boyfriend at the time or Jackson? Mm. Uh, you know, when I was in the situation, I look at it, you know, not sleeping on the floor, um, coming from a bed. I mean, showering with clothes behind closed doors and you have to shower in front of everybody in mm. an open space, raining or shining, you shower outside. I mean, that was really hard to get used to and even the food to get used to. It was not easy. Mm. And even like an inexperienced mother uh, taking care of a child, that was also a challenge and experience for me. And uh, the assistance, um, I did not get assistance from my daughter's father um, from my family and friends I got assistance from um, a few of them and also mostly is that people that read about me that would um, assist me those who would come for business in Thailand or who would pass by or holiday or some people I did not even know that would pass by or maybe give something to the embassy for me um, you know, if it's a hundred rand or, or a two hundred rand or fifty rand, anything, uh, really helped at that time. Mm. And that is the kind of assistance that I received and also like, uh, with a missionary, um, that I at the later stage started to know, they started to assist as well and help. So that was very helpful. Okay. So, so, um, at this point in time, uh, as far as uh, legalities are concerned, how uh, as putting through uh, a request for an appeal or those kind of things, how did you, how were you able to put those things together? Um, when I went to court, I was sentenced. When they called me after my child was born, they called me to court. They sentenced me. I was sentenced to death. That was commuted to life, and then I appealed my case. That is through uh, a Thai person. Uh, they would write on my behalf uh, to the to the court uh, to appeal the case. Like they know how they wrote it, I don't know, but I just asked, please, I want to appeal my case. And so I, they would s- to give me this letter, and I would take it with me to court. And um, then I got a life sentence again. And I came back and I asked the lady if I could appeal again. And I appealed again, and that is where the two years went up because of the time space you had to wait to go to court. And the third time, where everybody was telling me in, court, in, in prison, Vanessa, you need to plead guilty because you're guilty until proven innocent in Thailand. And the drugs was found on you. There was yeah. nobody else with you. It was in your position. 
we would suggest that you plead guilty because everybody, they say that you stand a better chance to get your sentence reduced. But in the beginning, I was like, no way, I'm not, re- I'm not going to plead guilty. This is not my drugs. I'm not going to accept something that is not mine. I was very adamant about it until, uh, because we are allowed to watch television for two hours until the television was one evening, the, the official forgot to turn the television off. And then so we watched a live execution of one male inmate and that scared me. And they also told me just before I came, one lady was executed and that watching that execution of that male inmate has really put fear in me and that caused me to change my uh, verdict to guilty because I wanted to go home. I didn't want a death sentence. And when I asked the lady to write for me again, but I'm pleading guilty and I took the the, the, the document with me to court is written in Thai, so I don't know what she said. And when I handed it over to in court, they read, they said some things. I didn't understand what they were saying. And then I came back home, and when I found out, the lady told me that I was sentenced. My sentence was reduced from life to 35 years. That is how I came to 35 years. Wow. Um, as far as the language barrier is concerned, uh, you've mentioned it a couple of times. How did you get over that? How, how did you, did you start maybe adapting to the language? Maybe were you picking up phrases here and there? Or how did you end up maybe being able to communicate? You know, I refused to learn the language. I, I had so much anger. Yeah. And so much hatred and so much bitterness. I didn't want to communicate with these people. And, um, I refused to learn it for three years. My daughter was with me, and but my daughter spoke Thai. And after she left, and um, you know, when I actually gave my heart to the Lord, that He really told me that I need to learn. In, you know, in my heart, that I need to learn this language mm. uh, because you cannot learn anything in the prison if you do not speak this language. True. You must know the language to be able to find a job in the prison, uh, to do something. And, and, and also because of God really, uh, drawing me to this thing, I really was adamant. I didn't want to learn this language, but I had no peace. And when I started learning this language, it's because just to share the word of God with other inmates. That's how I started learning the language. That's fantastic. 27 minutes after 9 o'clock. Thank you very much for joining us. My name is Jack Mutlante. I am joined by Vanessa Horsen in the studio. Uh, but for right about now, we're going to take a bit of a musical breather. On the flip side of this, uh, we'll be getting into, uh, you know, a bit more uplifting stuff. Uh, this We'll be talking about uh, what Vanessa has been up to since returning home and uh, how how well she's been adjusting. To, to life uh, in South Africa in the year 2014. Uh, you returned in, 20, uh, in 2010. Yeah, 2010, uh, that's in November. Yeah, in November. And uh, it's almost, it's, it, we're almost to the day, three years. Uh, it, I, I think it will be next week, uh, ne- the week after next. That's on the 5th, on the 5th of, of November. November yes. It will be three years that uh, you've been uh, back in the country. So for, for right now, we'll take a bit of a musical breather and uh, jump into how she's been readjusting. CliffCentral.com
cliffcentral.com. Uh, welcome to it. Uh, if you just joined us, that was uh, uh, what is what, what is the name? Love, love, low. Uh, yeah, not on drugs. Uh, my producer decided to pick that song. I would never play that in a million years. But anyway, 31 minutes after 9 o'clock. Thank you for joining us. Uh, if you just did, my name is Jack McClanta. I'm standing in for Andrew Levy this morning on the Conza Show and I'm joined by Vanessa Horson. And, uh, before the song, we were just talking about some of her experiences, uh, as far as where it started and, uh, how she learned to adapt within, uh, the prison system in Thailand. So, Vanessa, Let's fast forward. A couple of years later, here you are back in South Africa. How, 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 how was it finally being able to come home? You know, for me, it was a great blessing to be back home because of I've seen many inmates losing their lives in that place. So uh, I considered myself very blessed to be able to return back home sane mm. as I suffered depression for many years. And alive with no sicknesses and diseases. So for me, that's a great blessing. But it was also quite a challenge for me because of my family. They felt like strangers to me. Mm. My friends felt like strangers to me. Even my own daughter felt like a stranger to me. And it was very hard for me to really connect with them. And also, um, I mean, coming back and... Back into society. I mean, just crossing the street, I was struggling. Yeah. Really, was struggling. When the cars will come, I will get the cars will pass me. I will get so confused, and I just will froze. I could not move. I get completely confused, and I get scared. And also, sleeping with the light off, I really struggled. Um, even up to now, when uh, when I'm alone on mm. a place, I, I have to sleep with the lights on. I cannot have the lights off. Yeah. Um, and also like getting back, sleeping on a bed. I mean, after 16 and a half years sleeping on the floor, on the floor. and yeah. coming back, sleeping on a bed, that actually took me uh, a week and a half because my body went through pain. Yeah. Uh, but I'm telling you, that's a great blessing to be begin a back on a bed and you have this big space. You can actually sleep the way you want. Before I went to prison, I was a bed. I was a runner the way I sleep. Uh, but at prison, you had to sleep straight. Yeah. Uh, because there's not enough space. And it caused me that I can lay still. Mm. And and also like I mean clothes showering behind closed doors and, and in warm water. You only had cold we water. We only had cold water. They had a, a a tank where they would put up where the sun will heat up the water. Uh but it's like that water it's like it has a smell. Yeah. It smells. It's not clean water. Yeah, so yeah. it smells like a rusty smell on yeah, you. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, but mostly it was the cold water. So when I came back, I had to get used to uh, showering in warm water again. And, and also uh, the food. Uh, actually I got sick because of the water and the food that I end up in Sunning Hill Hospital. Um, but I passed through that and also getting in cars, I would get car sick. I would get so sick and I would get so just nauseous. Just from the movement. Just, yes, the just movement. the movement yeah. because I haven't been in a car for so many years. Yeah. And also technology was quite a challenge for me because I've never seen a cell phone. Yeah. So I had to learn how to use a cell phone and, and, and that was challenging for me. Very frustrating as well because of this, imagine. because the first cell phone they got me was a, a touch screen. And that could be, that was the worst thing they could have done because it frustrated me. Everything was running everywhere. Yeah. And, um, also like getting back to emails. I didn't know how to use email. The, that was quite a challenge for me as well. And then we got to Facebook and all that. I did a lot of things that was wrong. That <laughs> My daughter actually was there to help me through that. Um, but um, also on the emotional side that I didn't know that, you know, I think I'm fine. I'm okay hmm. uh, making that transition from prison into society. But uh, I actually didn't have time to actually have for myself because after two weeks I started working. And, 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 and I actually went through a, a roller coaster, like emotional roller coaster, yeah. uh, because of so much I've been dealing with. I mean, reconnecting with my family and, and, and my daughter. And as the, my friend who raised my daughter passed away, passed on, yes. so it was quite difficult for me to, to, to start knowing and understanding my daughter. So, and, and, and having so many people around me and, um, they've changed and, and it's like there was a big gap between us and it was overwhelming for me. 
How how difficult was it dealing with uh, your friend's passing? Uh, I believe her name is Melanie. Yeah, and, Melanie. Yeah. And and she had been taking care of your daughter uh, since she was three. So f- effectively for thirteen years. And when you came back that very same year, she she passed on uh, a couple of months before you 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 landed yeah. in in SA. Um, how how how. When you heard the news, how did you deal with that? Because here's, here's a person who you had trusted and who, who actually was there to assist you with raising your daughter. You know, when I got the news the first time, I didn't believe it. I told them that they must call back to find out who exactly passed away. Yeah. And when the missionary told me, Vanessa, I've spoken to them myself. It is Melanie that passed away. It was shocking for me because she was not a sick person. Mm. And also she was very young. She was 37 years old. Mm. I, I just couldn't believe it that all these years, why would this lady pass away now? Now, yeah. Why would she go now? I just couldn't understand it. And, you know, it really took a lot from me. Because she have done so much for me. It's very hard to find friends that can stick with you like that. Yeah. And she was more than a friend. She was like a sister to me. Uh, at the time, she was very motherly as well. She really supported me. And emotionally, and at the time when I went through depression, she flew to Thailand to come in to encourage me. Mm. And, you know. And her, she had her own daughter at the she time. She had yeah. two daughters. Yeah. And, and, and raising my daughter as her own and she really took a, a burden from me that I don't, didn't have to stress so much about my daughter because she really took care of her. Mm. So it affected me badly, the fact that I didn't have the opportunity to say to her thank you. Mm. And that we can actually sit and she could tell me uh, the, the, the stages of my daughter, what she went through and how it, how she was. I, I missed all that. So it was quite painful yeah and for me to come back uh, even when i was writing the book I, I was struggling when it cared to come to melanie i could not i would have an anxiety attack yeah so it, it it was quite an emotional journey for me um that i'll be able to speak about her today I, i'm still emotional yeah. and it's still painful but I, I, I i've come a long way that a lot of healing has yeah. taken place yeah. for where i am today but I'm very grateful for her and what she's done, and I will never forget that. Um, there's, I don't think there could be a way for you to forget that. No. Um, and as far as your daughter's concerned, she is 16 now. The last time you saw her, well, at the time yes, when you came time, back, yeah, yeah. Uh, she was 16, and the last time you saw her, she was three, and now she was a teenager, and. This is your first daughter. You've never raised it. You've never been in contact with a teenager uh, at at that point in time. How 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 was it readjusting, redeveloping that that bond between the two of you? Um, uh, when she returned to South Africa, she was only three. It was so yeah. difficult for me to communicate with her, and I would use letters and I would use speeches to draw to write to her, just to have that communication. But um, Melanie, she really tried that. I actually, in that 16 years that I saw, uh, and also a friend of mine, that and I, they actually made it possible for me to see my daughter during that time uh, three to four times yeah. to visit me. Mm. And the first time was very difficult. She didn't want to talk to me. She just went into withdrawal. So that was quite difficult. Yeah. And then also the other time when I was suffering depression, when they brought her over to see me, but it was quite a long time again after that. And then it's only when I saw her when I returned back. And when I saw her, I mean, she was this growing 16-year-old teenager that I could not relate to. Mm. I did not know her. And I could not relate to her. I could only relate to a three-year-old. And that's how I treated her, like a three-year-old. Yeah. Because she turned around and she told me, she said, you're treating me like a three-year-old. You must stop it. And it was very difficult for me. I could not relate to this girl. And I tried to, I didn't know how to be a mother because I didn't raise her. I didn't know her. I, I really didn't know how to do it. So I tried to be a friend. Yeah. Um, because I really, I, I was struggling. I did not know how to do it. Mm. And that she actually told me one day, you know, stop being like a, a social worker or a psychologist, be my mother. Yeah. And then I told her, I said, you know what? I'm struggling. I will try my best, but just know that I love you. Yeah. So it was quite a challenge for me and her as well as she 
Uh, we didn't know each other. She didn't understand me. She had her own picture about me. And even speaking to her, I spoke loud. Um, and she told her I'm shouting at her. But in the prison, that is how we speak. Yeah. Uh, because once you're just speaking softly and, and nobody can hear you, it's like, you know, people can just walk all over you. And um, so just starting to know each other and trying to reconnect. And, you know, it was hard. It yeah. was very difficult. And it actually really hated me very hard when she got sick. And, and I had to take her to the doctor and they were asking me all these things about her past and I could not answer them. Yeah. I actually started crying because I didn't know what to do. And then I missed my friend because she's the one who could tell the doctor everything he's asking me. So that actually really hated me very hard. But um, I must say now that me and my daughter's relationship is very well. Yeah. We're bonding. We have a very close relationship and our relationship is doing very well. And I'm very happy for that. No, that, that is fantastic to hear. 42 minutes after 9 o'clock, if you have just joined us, welcome to it. Uh, my name is Jack Matlanta. I'm standing in for Andrew Levy this Friday. I'm sitting with uh, Vanessa Horsen this morning, and uh, uh, we're just trying to find out how everything has been uh, since uh, 2010 when she finally returned to South Africa. If you do want to join the conversation, you can give us a call on 0861-555-189 or on Twitter at cliffcentral.com or at Jack underscore five foot four just to join the conversation. You could also send us uh, a message on our official WeChat account, uh, the Cliff Central official WeChat account. So, Vanessa, here we are. It's 2014, new day. Uh, you have left a lot of these things behind physically. Uh, naturally, the memories are still there. But what is Vanessa doing now in 2014? Um, what I'm doing now is I'm a motivational speaker uh, for corporates and I also do share my uh, experience on in churches mm-hmm. as well. Um, I also um, do inspire students at universities as well and I also do go into the female prisons as well to inspire them um, to make it through the situation. And... Um, I'm also busy with my second book mm-hmm. at this time, which other books will follow after this second book. And also uh, busy with a, a movie deal. Ah, okay. Yeah, and um, that is also like quite exciting, uh, but we're also taking things uh, one step at a time because we have quite a few people that is really interested in that, in, in the movie. Um, then I also have uh, workshops I'm doing short workshops mm-hmm. uh, that is taken out of the, uh, of my experience some aspects is taken out of my experience to inspire women um, it's always been my heart to really like empower women so that is what I'm doing um, yeah and I will continue with a motivational I heard you mention God earlier on. How big of a role does he play in your life at this point in time? The biggest one. The biggest. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Because uh, if you, my spiritual journey, um, it was quite a journey. And that's what my second book is about. It's about my spiritual journey. Um, That I I accepted God in, in, in prison. And we also had a church in prison. We were persecuted in prison. And, um, I really had um, a good training ground in the prison, uh, especially when one lady from uh, was also an inmate from America that actually ministered to me. Yeah. And she actually took me under wing, and it was only me, her, and the Holy Spirit and the Word. So that is how I actually learned a lot about the Word of God and um, a serving God. And I actually thought that my experience in prison I mean, serving the Lord and, and, and being one of the leaders in the prison or in the ch- of, of the church, uh, that that was my, the end of it. When I, I left the prison, I felt that my work, that I'm done. Yeah. Um, but when I returned back to South Africa and just God started calling me back to share my experience on, on different, in different churches. And uh, at, at first I was like, a God is this really where you're taking me and only to realize and find that actually the prison was my training ground. So I do minister in a lot of churches. I've gone to uh, a lot of churches that I ministered to and also did a lot of women conferences. Um, so right now, um, I also have a ministry that is registered, which is Van Gogh and Liberty Ministries. Uh, so 
what I'm doing now is actually just serving God mm. and uh, in the direction where he's taking me. So he is the biggest in my life and he is the one who's taking control because of my experience I've realized and come to know that uh, when you have God, it doesn't matter what you face or what you go through, you can overcome anything. True, very true. And uh, now that you you are doing these motivational talks, and what are the, some of the challenges that you face now? Um, at first, I really struggled when I was having my talks um, at corporates uh, because it's, you don't share the, 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 the spiritual aspect. Mm. And like also sharing on, on, on churches, church platforms, I would struggle a lot. I would have actually anxiety attacks while I was having my motivational talks. Mm. But through my motivational talks, I received my healing. And um, what I experience and what is inspiring me to continue yeah. is the, the Facebook messages, the, the, the emails, the SMSs I receive after every talk. That how many people's lives has been touched, how many people's lives has been uh, set free, broken from unforgiveness because I had to do that. I had to forgive. Yeah. And that is what actually what brought in my depression, anxiety and panic attacks because of the hatred, the unforgiveness and the anger, anger that I was yeah. having inside of me. So I had to forgive to be able to get my healing back. And to resume my normal responsibilities because depression turned me into a vegetable. I couldn't do anything. And, and, and a lot of people are being set free from their prison, you know, and, and, and that is what inspired me and encouraging me that, that people are being delivered. People are being set free. People are being given hope, um, to continue. And to be reconciled back to God or to, 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 to renew their, their spirit, uh, their, their, their spiritual journey with God. And that is just what, what gives me the power and the strength to continue because people's lives are being touched. People's lives are being changed. Yeah. And, and, and that is what really, really inspires me and give me to continue, uh, doing what I'm doing. Cool. Uh, for those of you who would like to feel inspired as well, you can actually get a copy of uh, Vanessa's book. It's called Drug Mule, um, 16 Years in a Thai Prison. And uh, it was uh, written by Joanne Joseph, uh, along with Larissa Falk. How, how was that process for you? I can't. I'm just um, you know, when I, I actually had quite a few people who came in. I was actually in prison and they, I was confronted by people who wanted to write the book and also publishers mm. in the prison that already wanted my book. Um, so I actually had to make a choice which publishers I would go with. Um, I had Larissa Falk. She uh, actually approached me and said she wanted to write my book. And she have never published a book, but she had written uh, for um, a few articles. And, yeah. you know, but when I met her, I really liked her and we could connect. And I really felt comfortable with her. So we took some time, like, documenting the book down. And, and, and it took some time because I was having a lot of anxiety attacks because of reliving the experience. As you know, we were not allowed to keep diaries. So everything was uh, my memory, what I could remember. So... um she really sat with me, documented quite a detail of my experience, but she had to go and study abroad in Germany. And um, so we were Skyping and working like that. And I had an interview with Joanne like a year before. And then Joanne contacted me and, and said that she would really like um, uh, to write my book. And we met up and we had a few uh, meetings. And I actually could really connect with Joanne. Yeah. And that is where um, she took it further uh, uh, from Lelissa, you know, to edit and also spend some time with me. Mm. And then she did that book in two and a half months. Two and a half months. Actually, two and a half months. And she did a phenomenal work with that book because of the feedback that I received, even abroad, that um, they really, really um, was inspired and also Loved the, the writing or to have written the book. So Joanne has really done a phenomenal job. And that book, like after it was released in April, just after, um, three weeks, it hit number four, according to the Nielsen rating in South Africa. Mm. And then after four weeks, then it hit number one in South Africa. 
so that was, and it was also Jogana's bestseller uh, last year. So, and that book also the feedback I received um, because it's a secular book. It's my raw experience, mm-hmm. and I mean, like everybody reads that book, all religion reads that book, and they are waiting for the second book, which is my spiritual journey. So that this book was only a platform. Um, for the second book and yeah. also for my motivational talks. So this book has, has, has really inspired me the way it has um, touched the lives of people. And that is my main aim. That is my joy to see that um, people are being touched in what I'm doing and that they are progressing and they are moving a step higher. Yeah. And, you know, that they are, whatever their situation they are in, that they can draw from this book. And the message I actually really want to get across through this book is that um, never give up. We've got a question here for you on uh, WeChat coming through from Rose. She wants to find out, did you ever uh, confront Jackson and did he ever apologize uh, or do anything to stop you from going to prison? Um, No, I've never heard of Jackson again. And when I returned back to South Africa, I actually was asking around. And um, I found out that people are saying he is from five different countries. I really do not know from where he is. I've never seen him. You know, what I wanted was for somebody to apologize to me. No one apologized. Nobody apologized to me. And I also confronted my daughter's father as well. Yeah. And nobody apologized to me. And that was very hard for me to deal with that actually nearly put me back into depression yeah i actually really had to fought hard i had to see a a a psychologist and i had so much anger the anger started coming back and it started to having me putting anxiety and panic attacks and it was i had a few sessions and it was just driving me insane because I wasn't getting out of it And I had to say no, I had to stop I had to stop and I just said no I cannot do this, I cannot go back to it I deserve to be happy yeah. I don't want to go back to depression I know what it's like And I just told this God, I don't want to see you again I'm trusting God is going to deliver me And I'm going to get out of this And that's when I went back to God and I, and, and I just trusted God And He helped me through it That I had to leave everything in God's hands and, 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 and that's where I was able to get my peace because those words of somebody not apologizing to me for 16 and a half years, that really hurt. But I, I, I had to stop it because I know what it means to suffer depression. I did not want to go back there. So no, I've never found Jackson and I never had anybody apologize to me. I had to make a choice. I had to make a choice. Vanessa, are you going to sit in this and get destroyed by depression again from waiting for somebody to apologize to you? Or do you want to have your life? And I had to make the choice to say, God, I'm giving it to you. And I just, I deserve to be happy. I'm not going to allow unforgiveness to come back into my heart again because I know what it can do to you. I need a life. I need to move on. And I need to live and enjoy the best that I was given to me because it has been taken away from me. And I'm ready to enjoy what God has given unto me. It really takes a big person uh, uh, to to look at things in in, in that way. Um, looking at the time, we've got about five minutes before we get out of here. But uh, Vanessa, you know, to wrap things up, um, as far as your experience is concerned, where you are now and moving forward, what what would be the one thing that you would want everyone to know uh, about your experience and moving forward, basically, as in when you put everything into if we can put like a little ribbon onto it uh, and, 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 and put it out there for the people to know uh, what, it, what it was like in that prison and what your life is like now moving forward. You know, um, my experience was not an easy one. Yeah. I really suffered. Yeah. It was painful. It was hurtful. And, and everybody in today's life is going through something. Yeah. Everybody is. And sometimes you, you, you're right. And sometimes you're wrong. Yeah. But the question is, what are you going to do? I had to make a choice. Do I want to survive? Or am I going to allow this place to destroy me? And I make the choice to survive. Yeah. So what I want to just wrap up and also give out to other the, the listeners out there is that whatever you're going through, whatever your situation might be, doesn't matter how hard, doesn't matter how difficult, doesn't matter how painful it is. 
Make the choice today not to stay in it, but to move on. Yeah. I would have never been able to move on if I would have kept that hatred and unforgiveness in my heart. I wouldn't be able to be where I am today and actually serving God because of the peace I have. Yeah. You have to make a choice to say that I'm going to survive this. I'm going to get out of this. I am moving forward. I'm going to take what is mine. I'm going to move forward and I'm going to live my dream and I'm going to go for my goals or the vision that I have. And that is why I am here where I am today. Yeah. It's because of that decision. And also something is that never give up. Make the choice, never give up. You can overcome whatever your situation might be. And this is why I am here today and also because of God. Thank you very much for coming through, Vanessa. It was uh Inspirational to say the least Thank you very much for coming through uh, If you missed it you can also download the podcast But uh, I do suggest that you go out And get Vanessa's book It's called Drug Mule uh, 16 Years in a Thai Prison And uh, thank you very much for coming through uh, Vanessa Next week Andrew will be in uh, To do the Konza show And uh, I, I will go back to my job Of producing uh, Thank you very much for those of you who joined me this morning And uh, thanks to all those That were interacting with us on Twitter Facebook as well as on WeChat For right now we're going to Give space to John T. Searle And the sexy spider on uh, The sex show this morning Thank you very much and we're out of here